If you are looking for even more help and guidance on your breakup, I have a few different options for you to take your healing to the next level. I have four different online courses depending on what stage of the breakup that you're in from beginning all the way into moving on after heartbreak, or you can bundle all of my courses together and use the code podcast to get $25 off my course bundle. I also have my 30 day no contact challenge to help hold you accountable in going no contact with your ex. And we have our free Facebook group, Healing Hearts Club, where you can connect with other people going through breakups all over the world. To learn more about any of these resources, head to the show notes where you can learn more about my courses, take the quiz to figure out which course is best for you, or join the Facebook group. And don't forget to use the code PODCAST to get $25 off my course bundle. Welcome to the Heal Your Heartbreak podcast with your host, Breakup Bestie, aka me, Kendra. Breakups are hard, but you don't have to do it alone. Each week, I will be taking you through a different topic as it relates to breaking up, healing from heartbreak, growing in your single life, dating, and getting back into happier and healthier relationships. The goal of this show is to provide support, hope, tips, and to remind you that above all, this too shall pass. Welcome to episode 54 of the Heal Your Heartbreak podcast. And today I am so excited to introduce you all to Trisha Huffman, aka your joyologist, who is someone I have been following for, I'd say the last three years now. She is the host of the Claim It podcast. She has a beautiful line of affirmation products. I actually, as I'm recording this, have her affirmation deck here on my desk. And her mission is to inspire people to claim their joy own who they are every single day, no matter what comes your way. And she just has the most beautiful and direct and inspiring way of teaching us how to connect more with our joy. And I think as all of you guys listening to this, no matter what's going on in life, but especially when you're going through something as tough as a breakup, I know you want to feel more joy in your life. So that's what we get into in this episode. We talk about stopping with the shoulds, which she, starting in 2008, decided to stop using the word should in her life and what things, like what beautiful things have come out of that. So we talk about stop shoulding on yourself. And as I've titled this episode, Stop Shoulding Your Way Through Your Breakup. We talk about how to connect back with your gut. I hear from so many of you that you have a really hard time trusting yourself after a breakup. So we talk about how to tap back into those gut feelings and your intuition. And we also talk about how to use positive affirmations, how to create your own, how to make them feel like a little bit more authentic. So this was a great episode. I learned so much on just, you know, with stuff I'm going through personally. So I know no matter what stage of your breakup you're in, you are going to get so much out of hearing from Trisha. So I can't wait for you all to listen. So without further ado, here is your joyologist. Welcome, Trisha, to the podcast. I am so excited to be able to talk to you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk to you. So I know your story of how you became your joyologist, but I would love if you could walk us through a little bit of your journey as to how you ended up doing what you're doing. Yeah, I'll try to give a a shorter version, but hitting all the (laughs) key points. Uh, When I, I mean, growing up, I, I always just felt like awkward, like I didn't belong, but I mean, I had friends, I had what I needed, but I just didn't, you know, I just always feeling like, what is going on here? Do people really care about me? Like, I don't know. Uh, And especially like getting into high school at 15, I also had chronic pain that was undiagnosed. So that left a lot of things, but I really got really close to almost committing suicide. Like, you know, I had a plan, was thinking about it all the time, couldn't sleep from my chronic pain. Um, so I was, you know, pretty messed up and I just one day had this like breaking point where I was like, okay, if you think about this all the time, then you either like need to go through with it 
or what if you try life a different way? Obviously, it wasn't like me saying it that clearly when I was like out of my mind at 15. But that was basically I gave myself an ultimatum and I like locked myself in my bathroom, had like a major meltdown, like, and just was like, all right, like I'm doing life a different way. And that really was sort of what I decided was like, I needed to care more about what I thought than anybody else thought. And that including my parents, my parents were not in a great marriage, but you know, like, let's stay together for the kids. So, uh, I basically, you know, at 15 stopped listening to my parents. I don't know if I did before that, but at that point I was sort of like, this is what I'm doing. This is my life. These are my choices. And that's how I showed up at school and with my friends too. It's like, I just felt this different, like, I don't care, but of course I've always cared, (laughs) but definitely, you know, it was just sort of like, right. I'm going to sit with this person because I want to, and not because, oh, I can't because so-and-so is a nerd. So if I'm going to be named a nerd, if I sit with that person, like all of this stupid bullshit that we are constantly having. And I think it starts when we're teenagers, maybe even before that, but we still as adults live with it, you know, just like constantly judging ourselves and wanting to fit in. And what am I supposed to say? What should I do? All of these things. And so I had to just keep reminding myself, like, what do I want? What do I think? Anyway, so that carried me into my first profession, which was to be a live sound engineer. And I didn't know what that was. I just liked going to concerts and I was always watching the person behind the controls and was like, oh, I think the guitar is too loud. And I didn't know really what I was talking about, but that's like what I was drawn to. And so I made that happen. Um, And years later then I was touring the world with Grammy award-winning artists. And I also was at that point, it's gotten really good at like taking care of my mental health and my physical health. Because again, I finally was diagnosed with fibromyalgia at 18. They give me pills and that just messed me up more. So I was on tour, you know, like doing yoga. I brought my own juicer in a suitcase. And this was like in, I started touring in 2003, probably. So way ahead of the times. Yeah, I went gluten-free in 2004 and had to like be on tour around the world. Like I don't eat gluten. People didn't know what that was back then. Um, (laughs) But anyway, so I took great care of myself. And then my father passed away suddenly. And that was a big wake up call that I was like, I'm felt like I was really great at living my life, at living my dreams, at taking care of myself. But him passing away suddenly woke me up to all the people I saw day in and out whether I was passing them at the airports, at restaurants, and the same people that I worked with, including these people that had it all, that were, you know, the artists, the Grammy award-winning artists that had everything that they wanted. And they even had what looked like great relationships, great family life, you know, could buy everything they wanted, that I still saw how much they were struggling emotionally and like, you know, had doubts and fears living in these shoulds, you know, uh, taking the advice of managers and agents that kind of looked out for them, but then also were kind of looking out for themselves. And so my dad's death made me be like, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I have to do something to wake other people up to truly live their life for themselves while they're alive. Because again, like it was just like, my dad had like a freak accident. So it was like the old saying, like, you don't know, like you could get hit by a bus tomorrow, like was really true. So, um, Yeah. So I didn't know what I was going to do when I gave up my tour. I was supposed to be on tour for the rest of the year. It was like March. And, um, I was like, I'm done with sound. And it was like my favorite tour to like band and everything. And I just knew I had to stop. And so I just took like a year of taking care of myself, doing yoga, doing these children and putting these ideas out in the world. And I decided I was going to go back on tour as a joyologist. So taking care of the people on tour. So that's how it started. It was just, um, that was the world I knew was the touring world. And so I started like taking care of the same artists that I toured with as a sound engineer as being their personal joyologist. And that was the production manager gave me that title on tour. So I was just like, I'm going to go out. I'm going to take care of people because also touring is a lot of work. And I'm going to make the dressing rooms nice. I'm going to put up affirmations. I'm going to teach yoga. I'm going to make them healthy, nutritious food. And also I'm going to be the person that doesn't let them just slam the door and nobody talk to them. Like I'm going to call them out on their shit. And I'm also going to lift them up and I'm going to ask them questions and be like, what do you want? Right. So that's what this is saying. And that's what this person's saying. What do you want? You're mad about this. What are you going to do about it? Because also when people are in positions of power, then people walk around on eggshells and they're not really honest with them. So that's how it started. And then I just started like, oh, Twitter. Oh, I'll share things on here. I'll share things like, you know, and then started a product line coaching. 
podcast, writing a book. I'm like, what am I doing? But it was those two pivotal moments of being 15 and like having that. And then my dad dying suddenly that, you know, like really shaped everything. I think, I mean, obviously it's so unfortunate to have to go through such traumatic events. Um, But I I do find, you know, my rock bottom was when I realized I had to get sober um, and there was so much pain involved, but it was, you know, the springboard for me of completely altering how I look at life, how I live my life. And I try to tell people the same thing with breakups that yes, they are so painful, but they can, they can be a humongous opportunity. Um, And I think, you know, your story is a big testament to that of how you can turn pain into change and growth and, and learning how to find joy. Yeah. And I think with like breakups and those sorts of relationships, especially because I find that no matter how much self-confidence and how much like self-love we have and how much we think like we're really like have our self-worth down, it can get so messed up when like, you know, when just even the starting phases of, I think I like that person. And then you start to not you and me and my, my own, as much as me being so strong and having this self love from like age 15, that it can still be like starting to lose myself a little bit because you start to like, want someone to like you back more than you're committed to what you want like little stuff even like I would notice myself like being oh is it okay to listen to this song because what if they like this song like stupid stupid stuff like oh I don't know if I can you know choosing the restaurant like whatever it is we start to like sort of lose ourselves and so then yeah like when you're in a relationship parts of your self may grow and you may disappear and then also yeah it's just it's just gotta it's like, no matter how much love you have for yourself, it's so, you have to like go so deep. And I think like having so much compassion for yourself in that process. And yeah, it's a big learning, like going through these transitions. Like I start to call like breakup. It's like a transition. I'm in a transition right now. Like I've transitioned my relationship with my father of my children. We're not, we never got married. So I'm like, <laughs> The father of my children, like, yeah. And um, yeah, it's interesting to like notice parts of myself that I had started to hide or forget while I was in a relationship of like wanting to be loved, like where we sacrifice ourselves for this wanting to be loved by someone else. Yeah. And then it makes the breakup so much harder. I mean, I've gone on complete extremes of the spectrum where I've like become a shell of a human in relationships where when it ended, I had to like, figure out who I was all over again. Um, but even still like in, you know, I've been with my husband now for like seven years and I know that if it would end, like there, you know, even me being a breakup coach, you being the joyologist, we would, you know, it still causes a lot of pain, no matter who you are, no matter, you know, what level of self-care or self-love you already have. It's like, it's, it's gnarly to go through a breakup. Well, and you have these expectations too of like, even if you don't think you have of like what your future is going to hold with that person and stuff. So again, like even, and I've stayed very strong throughout this and it's so, so, so I didn't turn into a shell of a person or lose myself, but at the same time, still, like I said, noticing these parts of myself that I had sort of like pushed away or being like, oh, whatever he wants, maybe, you know, I don't know these ways that we do that. And so it's a, it's a challenging time to go through a transition, but when, again, it's like sort of remembering this sort of, even though it's painful, this like hope of this rediscovering yourself and re-asking yourself what matters to me, what's important to me. Like I I can, it's also like really freeing. (laughs) It's like, so even when you're, if you're listening out there and you're in like a really painful time, where can you find some spots of like freedom of like, Oh, I get to do this now, or I get to think about this now, or I, <laughs> yeah, you get to choose to eat wherever you want, watch whatever you want, listen to whatever you want, sleep however you want in the bed. Like there are, you know, there are a lot of freedoms that can come along with it. And I think this, you know, leads me to the first question I had for you, which is the, like the first way I connected with you was you talking about the shoulds. And I, can joke to myself that every time I catch myself saying I should be doing this or I should feel this way, I think about you because I know I'm like, I try to avoid them. Um, But I would love if you could talk about this idea of the shoulds and how they can really play tricks on us, affect us negatively. 
Yeah. Um, and that's my first book, which is coming out next year is called F the shoulds do the once. So it is all about this. And that's what, um, I'm not someone who thought I lived a life of shoulds at all. I mean, like, especially like at that 15, I sort of was like, I'm doing what I want. I'm doing things my way. Um, but when my father passed away, I, like I said, I was sort of like, Whoa, what's going on? stopped everything. And I also had this internal message to give up the word should. And I have no idea where it came from, but I listened to it. And I literally wouldn't let the word come out of my mouth unless I was like talking about, Hey, I gave up the word should. And uh, I was shocked because I committed like so fully. So I wouldn't let it come out of my mouth. And so I would constantly be catching myself and be like, I should, what should, you know, and it made me really conscious of what I was thinking and saying and doing and believing at all times. And it was just shocking to me that someone who didn't think they lived a life of shoulds felt that they were, you know, I was so self-empowered and I was a badass and I really, you know, like I was awesome. I'm so awesome. But at the same time, we have all of these things happening in our mind that we don't realize. And for me, pinpointing shoulds was huge for me. And so I also, but when I started catching myself all the time, I'm like, I, I want a reward to replace this. Like what, how I can't talk. I can't talk because I keep trying to say should. And so I realized for me that the word once was the best replacement and that switch was so life-changing and eye-opening because again, it was just sort of like, what should I do today? Oh, what do I want to do today? And it was such a different shift in energy. Like, hey, where should we eat? Oh, where do I want to eat? Where do you want to eat? That it just like, it felt like I was putting myself back in the driver's seat of my car and I didn't even realize I wasn't there. That so much in life, we are just following along the guidance of what we've been taught by our parents, by society, by social media, by the culture. And also like what we've been, you know, it's a lot of our own shoulds, even of like what we wanted our life to look like, what we wanted our relationship to look like, what we want ourselves to look like. And when you take should out of the equation, you're constantly being faced with like, oh, what do I really think? What do I really want? So for me, looking at every should, and most of the time it is seeing, can I swap it out for a want, like really makes me fully control of my life in every moment and showing up like, with true alignment and with true, I want to do this. And it makes me look at, well, why am I doing that too? Like, oh, I should exercise or I should, you know, whatever it is, I should exercise. Why do I want to exercise? And then it can be like, oh, because I'm not thin enough. Well, then you get to look at that. Is that the message you were telling yourself? Like, oh, I should exercise because it actually makes me feel a lot better. You know, so it's just like, you're constantly catching yourself until what am I really thinking and believing? Cause we're just like zooming through life and a lot of times not analyzing what we, what we think. I mean, so much of society tells us that we're, you know, we're supposed to date, get married by a certain age, have kids at a certain age, buy a house, like do all these things. And it's like, what do, you know, what do we really want to do. And I think if a lot of us stopped and asked ourselves, what do we want? It probably wouldn't look exactly like what our friends have. Or I think, you know, Instagram's obviously a beautiful place that allows us to connect with people. But I, I, even just this morning journaling, I was realizing how much Instagram causes this comparison thing and thinking I should do this. I, you know, I should dress that way. I should buy this thing. I, you know, it, it lends a lot of, like it puts a lot of should seeds in your head that's what like so if you can pinpoint when you're starting to like think I should and also the shoulds like run your life like so I gave the word up in 2008 and I've been so committed to it this whole time they had so many powerful insights like it makes me so conscious of what I'm thinking but still every single day I still feel the should. So even though I don't say the word, I can feel myself get stuck in like a comparison, the should, whatever. But again, so now I'm so tuned into that energy. But again, it's like seeing that as an opportunity to ask yourself, what do I want? And also, what do I believe? Because yeah, it's like, oh, I should be married by this time. And also, yeah, you get pressures from your family. Oh, why aren't you married yet? Why don't you have kids yet? Why don't that? So there's also external pressures that are real, but a lot of it is our internal pressures. And so getting that, you know, like you get that opportunity to ask yourself, 
is this what I want? And even also if you're like, yeah, like I really wish that I was in a relationship and had kids right now, then like also asking yourself, well, what do I believe? Do I believe that like there's something wrong with me because I'm not there yet? Do I believe that I'm, I'm unlovable? Do I believe that? And like getting real with yourself because that might be an uncomfortable question to ask yourself, but it's looming somewhere in your mind that like you're not lovable or you're not doing things right. So getting real with yourself, what do I believe? Is that what I want to believe? Because also you might, a part of you might believe that and then be like, well, what do I want to believe? I want to believe I am lovable. I want to believe that I'm perfectly on time. So have you found that giving up the shoulds has kind of taken off this layer that hides your underlying beliefs and desires? Exactly. So it's like a huge like highlighter or, you know, or like, I'll be like a yield sign to be like, slow down. What am I really thinking and believing? And so like, it is like a lot of me just asking myself questions that like, wait, is this what I believe? Is this what I want to believe? Why do I want this? You know, why do I feel I should have this? So like, it really gives me like a sort of speed bump to slow down and be like, what are you thinking? Because again, you can be so masterful, you know, be a meditation, whatever, like do all of the things right. But our minds just work this way that like, unfortunately, we're always going to have doubts. We're always going to have fears. We're always going to have judgments. We're always going to have comparisons, but you can like snap into, oh, hey, (laughs) what are you thinking there? Is that really what you believe? Like, we're not our first thought. We're not like, I think like a lot of our first thoughts come from a defense mechanism that's natural and that we get to go in and be like, you find yourself in a judgment of yourself or someone else and be like, whoa, 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 is that really what I believe? Like I'm comparing myself to that person. Like, oh, okay, well that's awesome for them. And then what do I want for me? Like to come out of, you know, that first, first thought, whether it's a should or a judgment and then be like, whoa, 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 what do I believe? What do I want to believe? So for me, it really yeah, it made me so mindful of what I'm actually thinking and believing. That's so interesting. And I, and I think too, with breakups, another big should is like, I get that all the time. I know I should be over it by now. I know I shouldn't be feeling this way. So I think shoulds are used to fight, fight against our feelings and judge our feelings, which, which doesn't, help the situation at all. If anything, it makes the feeling stick for a longer period of time. So how do you find that shoulds can relate to, you know, just fighting and judging our feelings? Yeah. So again, like tuning into that and then like being more honest with yourself for me has me giving myself more compassion. It's like, yeah, you're trying to fit yourself into some narrative that who knows where you got it from. Like, yeah, I should be over this. I should you know, I shouldn't feel this way. I shouldn't have even liked that. Why was I in a relationship with that person? I shouldn't, like, I should have got out forever ago. I should have listened to my instinct that I had on the first day that I met them or like whatever it was, right? Like, but yeah. those shoulds, like, though that already happened. It's just, again, like getting yourself to be real with yourself. Like, so why do I feel this way? Because I'm hurt or because I don't like feeling this way, you know, like, and just like allowing your, sometimes by just naming that, what you're feeling instead of trying to sh- should yourself out of it. Just the naming of, I feel hurt, like can alleviate a lot of the stress that you're feeling because you're not allowing yourself to feel the emotions, trying to should yourself out of them. But if you just name, like, I'm, I feel hurt. Like I, or I, you know, I feel shame. I feel embarrassed. I feel alone. Like whatever it is, again, those are hard emotions to have. But you give yourself so much more love and compassion and healing and the ability to get through them by naming them instead of just like trying to push them away or I should be over this by now. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What would you do if you had unlimited time and energy? As you're navigating your breakup, I know your energy can feel low and it can feel really difficult to complete everything you need to in a day. When you're emotionally exhausted, it's especially important to be really clear on what your priorities are and where your energy should be invested. Therapy has helped me in the past figuring out where I should be putting my energy, whether that's career, friendships, relationships, events, which in turn has helped lower my anxiety because I don't always have to feel stretched thin or behind. 
Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash heartbreak today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash heartbreak. Are you looking for a guilt-free way to unwind? Between balancing your breakup, work, and just functioning in your day-to-day life, I know you are under a lot of stress. Breakups mess with your nervous system, cause obsessive thoughts, and make it so hard to just sit with yourself. This is why it's so important to have rituals that allow you to treat yourself in a healthy way. And this is why I love Recess Mood, a sparkling water infused with functional ingredients like stress-balancing adaptogens and mood-lifting magnesium. Life has been very full and stressful for me lately, and as someone who hasn't had alcohol in a 11 years, I need something that helps me relax and that can bring me a moment of peace. Lately, my favorite way to do that is sitting on the couch after I put my kids to bed and having either the strawberry rose or the lime recess mood. They not only make me feel good, but they also taste incredible too. So whether you're looking for a healthier alternative to alcohol or a way to make you feel more balanced, you deserve a healthier way to unwind. Head to takearecess.com slash heartbreak and get 15% off recess mood, your go-to alcohol replacement. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Exactly. Well, you said it so well. You can't should yourself out of feelings. Um, And, you know, I think the shame and the guilt and learning how to trust our instincts, you know, so much of what you talked about sounds like you have this great strength of being able to to trust yourself and and being able to talk to your gut and, and listen to that. And I think when someone's coming out of a breakup, it can be so, they can be so scared in how am I ever going to trust myself again? How am I ever going to trust someone else again? So do you have any tips on how we can listen to our, our guts more and how can we relearn that aspect of trust? Not to be repetitive, but for me, it really <laughs> is like the getting out of letting go of kicking out the shoulds, like being clear of that, like that is another thing that got me really to listen to myself. Cause again, if you're not allowing yourself to feel what you're feeling, like how can you trust yourself? So yeah, you might be like, I can't believe I did that. I did that or whatever. If you don't trust yourself, but then you're not allowing yourself to be real with yourself about what you actually feel, then there's no way you can trust yourself. You know, it's like, again, like, it's not like, yeah, you gotta like feel that stuff and you have to be like, that's okay. Or like, yeah, I made that choice. I, you know, or I thought that this person was the person for me because of this. And so like, it's again, like allow yourself to say that to yourself. And I think journaling is a great way to do that is, you know, just like letting it all go. I like the morning pages style from Julia Cameron, but I don't necessarily do it in the morning. I just do it whenever I feel like this heavy feeling or this anxiousness, whatever, and just like vent everything out on the page. And that's a great way to be real with yourself about what you're actually feeling. And that was for me a huge, uh, I don't know, game changer, a huge life change was when I started to do that. And I started to write down these real feelings. I had this doubt, this fear, the shame, whatever I was feeling the first time I would start to write it. And I'm like, Oh, I can't write that because like, you know, Oh, if I write that, then that means that I'm putting that in the world or whatever, like this doubt or this fear, the shame and that I'm making it real. And then I was like, but it's, it's already real. We just try to ignore it or push past it or only, you know, see the positive and only see the good. And let me just go over there. But I was like, I have to, this is a real thing that is inside of myself and I'm not allowing myself to feel it. And so then I'm not actually healing. I'm not moving past it. I'm just like stuck in this cycle. So by actually naming what you're feeling, 
name. Oh, I can't believe I did this. Like allow yourself to say those things to yourself. Then you will be able to trust yourself. Like trusting yourself is being honest with yourself. And something that came to mind when you were just saying that is like, sometimes what helps me is like visualizing like myself as like a third party kind of a thing. So like if you had a friend telling you these things, um, like you would be so much more forgiving of that person. And if we think about trust as like something that's built in a relationship, if you were to think about building trust in an outside relationship and you weren't listening to anything that the other person said, how could you, how could you ever trust them? You know? So it's like learning, like if we can place ourselves in this outside third party, I think we can see it so much clearer and we would be so much more likely to listen to ourselves and trust ourselves. So true. You know, I I think Amber Ray is a friend of mine and she wrote a book called She's Wonder of Her Worry. And I know in like part of the book, she says she's like sort of like name, like the person and, you know, like the person, the worry, the doubt, whatever. So like you could do that with like <laughs> name the part of yourself that needs to like, oh, like open it up <laughs> or something like that to like talk to them or treat that person. Um, oh, another thing I thought of when you were talking about that too, is what one of my f- favorite reminders for myself is that a judgment can only be true or no, a judgment can only have power over me if it's something I believe to be true. So reminding myself of this, because oftentimes we are the ones that are judging ourselves the harshest. So when you're judging yourself, like, I can't believe I, you know, was in that relationship. I can't believe I made that choice or I'm a terrible this, like whatever it is that you, cause a lot of times, yeah, like you're not, if you're not able to trust yourself, if you're, when you're in these places of like wishing you were over it or whatever, you're somewhat judging yourself. But also when you have your family members or, oh, I thought that person was great for you or you're getting, you know, you need to settle down or whatever it is. So whether it's an internal judgment or an external judgment, something that I always use is like my, like meter is, is this something that I generally believe to be true? Like, again, this is getting real with yourself. Like, so it can feel bad to have someone judge you and to catch yourself in this, like making yourself wrong for something, but then getting, asking yourself like for real, like, do I really believe that? Like, do I really deep down believe like that no one will ever love me again? Or like that I'm never going to be able to trust myself with somebody cares about me. So whatever it is like to ask yourself again, like, is this what I believe to be true? Like, and so that's like, yeah, if your family is like making you feel bad because you're supposed to be, you know, here or your relationship is supposed to look like this, then is that what I believe to be true? Because I think these days too, it's like social media can be a challenging place, but I also think, well, maybe it's not on social media. I just know in my personal life friends, so many people that have different relationships and have transitioned their relationships to different spaces and that it's like, it doesn't, what we've been taught that a relationship is supposed to look like is not necessarily reality and that you get to decide. So like what I'm doing with, you know, my relationship, it's like, again, like I don't feel any weirdness and if judgment about it, because it's my choice and it's what I feel like is good for us. Yeah, no, I a hundred percent. And, you know, I love that. I'm going to butcher this saying, but it's like, if we were to, if everyone were to like put their problems, like in the center of a circle, like, and you went to go pick someone else's problems, like you would probably end up just picking your own. Cause it's like, at the end of the day, we don't really want to swap lives with someone else. It's because, you know, when we look at like the whole picture, you know, what someone else has in a relationship wouldn't work for me. Um, and you know, especially when someone is, single or going through a breakup, it can be so easy to want to reach for this image or ideal of what someone else has. But at the end of the day, like you are exactly where you're supposed to be. And, you know, you might not know exactly why now, but at some point it'll be abundantly clear as to why you went through the journey that you went through. So the other thing that I wanted to ask you about is I think in the last few years, this um, concept of like the toxic positivity or that whole concept has come more to light. And like, for me, I definitely grew up in like a very toxic positivity family, like always, you know, always good all the time. If, you know, if you 
were feeling poorly about something, it's because you weren't remembering what you were grateful for and, and that whole thing. So I would love, you know, to talk to you about navigating that balance between using practices to make yourself feel good, but also making sure that you're honoring and holding space for the painful feelings that are inevitably going to come on a daily basis. Yeah. I, and I almost like mentioned toxic positivity when I was talking about that journaling, like when I was talking about where I like, I wasn't even allowing myself to write down a sort of like negative, I'm putting my fingers and finger quotes right now, negative emotion, like a real emotion. I wasn't allowing myself to do that because then I was like, oh no, then I'm, you know, a negative person or I'm not grateful or I'm not seeing the good or I'm not being positive. And that's where, like I said, it was like wake up moment of like, but this is what's real. And so for me, if you are being real about what you're feeling, if you're seeing the reality of the world also, and not only looking at what's good and let's only focus on the good, like toxic positive positivity for me, I feel like is like only you know, there's only space for seeing the good and talking about that. And so then you don't have space to hear out when somebody's going through a hard time. You don't have space for yourself to go through a hard time. And it's just not sustainable or realistic. So what I feel is just, again, like being the honest with yourself and allowing yourself to name your real feelings. Like, oh, I'm feeling shame right now. I'm feeling dread right now. I'm feeling anxious right now. Whatever it is. And then that could also be like, oh, I'm feeling joy right now. I'm feeling celebrated right now. But so you can name I'm feeling dread right now. And then you can also like, I, you know, obviously I'm a proponent for joy and making space for joy and choose joy. And like, so it's like, you can name what you're feeling and then being like, oh, what would bring me joy right now? And for me, that's like the small joys. It's like, you can add joy to your life in in, in the small way. So it's like, you can be, you know, maybe you're in a breakup and you are feeling really low and like, you can't see, you know, you can't see any good to it. And you can't see that everything's going to be okay. And you're going to end up in the, you know, the perfect relationship and all that, this is all happening for a reason and the perfect timing. And you're like, fuck off. Sorry. I don't know if you can cuss on this. You podcast. Can cast. <laughs> we are more than welcome. to. I was trying to bite my tongue <laughs> the whole time. Not, um, <laughs> Anyway, so it's okay to feel that, but then also being like, what can I do to bring me joy right now? And that might be like, oh, I'm going to watch a movie that I love. I'm going to, you know, put on a song and dance. I'm going to go outside and look for flowers. So it's like focusing on the, like, I'm going to, you know, watch something that makes me laugh. So making space for joy and brightness and yeah, gratitude in your life, but without like, not allowing yourself to feel what you're actually feeling. And like, yeah, sometimes, yeah, if you're like down in that really low place for a long time, like I think that that's where you can get really down for a long time. Obviously some people, yes, have actual depression and like need more than just (laughs) daily joy. But if you can make space for that every day, and that's what, like, I have a daily connection journal now that I, like, came out with last year, and a big part of that is, like, naming a win or a joy of the day, or several, but, like, sometimes we can only think of one, and so a win could be, like, I took a shower, I caught my favorite show, my favorite show released a new episode, you know, like (laughs) they gave me extra whatever with my order. Like it can be again, very small things or it's like, what brought me joy today? Oh, my friend sent me, you know, a message and that made me feel cared for. So noting, like just having space, any space for noticing the small joys and wins. And then also with that, there's like acknowledging yourself is a daily thing that's part of that. And it's like, what can you acknowledge yourself for today? So maybe you're like, I did nothing. I'm a mess. Well, I can acknowledge myself for taking care of myself because like, that's what I needed today to just allow myself to be sad. And that's actually supportive. And I think one thing I was telling one of my clients recently, I was like, being sad can be really productive because she like had, and I related so much because for me, I had to unlearn this thing that if I'm sad, it means I'm doing something wrong. Like that's, that's not what that means. And so looking at like, Hey, if you know, if you cried today, like think about it as like something to like cross off a to-do list, you know, it's like, it, it can be really productive to, um, to be sad, to cry, to have, those kinds of releases. And I think another thing that you touched on that I've been trying to work on lately 
is this concept of, of and instead of, or, um, so, you know, I, I hear from clients a lot of like, I know I shouldn't have been in that relationship. It was not a good relationship for me, but I, I really miss the, I really miss my ex. I really miss the person. Why is that the case? And it's like, those can both coexist at the same time. Like you said, we can be sad and ask ourselves what would bring us, us joy. Yeah. And is my favorite word. And I think it does. I mean, it can bring like so much, like, it's like, of course, but so often we have been living in this, like this or that. And so it's another thing that like, you know, paying attention to like things like the word should like that it shifted. It's like, yeah. And like just switching that from, or to, and like, yeah, you can miss that person and see they're not actually the best person for you to be in that type of relationship with or whatever. And, and I think just like allowing yourself to, like, yeah, you can be sad and grateful. You can have shame and experience joy in the same day. And I also think, you know, like talking about the, like allowing yourself to have a sad day. Like I'm like that too, like allowing myself, like, Oh, I'm feeling funky today and allowing myself to be in that funky. That doesn't mean I can still be like, okay, what's going to bring me joy. So it doesn't mean like, I'm just choosing I'm only that, but it's just sort of the allowing of the emotions. I think we get through them like quicker because when otherwise you're fighting your emotions and like fighting your feelings doesn't work. It makes you actually feel them longer because you're like not allowing yourself to fully feel it. But if you're just like, man, I'm sad about this. And just even, like I said, naming that you're feeling sad sometimes like, like shifts through it faster. Yeah. I actually just yesterday in my journal, I was, I was just writing down the things that my anxiety tell me and I was just naming them. And I was, and just having the space of having them on a piece of paper and me looking at it, just having that amount of distance and space from it just automatically did some, you know, it automatically like broke that spell that, that lie or that thought or that feeling has, has over me. So I'm, I've been such a black and white thinker my entire life. And so this idea of the and and not, you know, not putting myself into a box and not everything needs to fit nicely into a box. And, um, and it's okay if it's, if it's messy and it's okay if it's all over the place and it's okay if it switches from, you know, minute to minute, what, what we're feeling. So I remember, um, hearing that phrase, like you can't be in faith and fear at the same time. And just being like, that doesn't seem right. Cause I was like, I, I can, like, I can be really afraid and know that things are going to work out at the same time. Like there's no way that those things can't exist at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. That reminds me of like, you know, I used, I used, I have like a pause on it, but I did this YouTube series. Like I call bullshit on one of them was like, I call bullshit on the, if it's not an F yes, it's a no. Because I was like, most of the things that I am like so excited about, like whatever I want to say, yes, I'm also like so like nervous and that's where the doubts and fears come up. And so I am sort of like, F yes, like, <laughs> yes, I want to, you know? And so it is, it's interesting. And like, that's what I think one of the things that can hold us back more is like stuff like that. Those phrases will go around and get millions of likes and reshares and this. And then it's like, everybody believes this. So I should believe it. And then again, you have to ask yourself, is that what I believe? That <laughs> like, I can't have faith and fear at the same time. But yeah. I think especially in the realm of relationships, the, and remembrance is so big because yeah, like the biggest thing we're all seeking in this world is like for it to be accepted, to be loved. And so of course, then we're looking for like that person to do it. And so it can feel like, yeah, I want this relationship right now, or I want this. You can't like, that's a real want you have not a should. And I can trust, you know, that it's going to happen on time or, and I can show myself the love that I'm wanting to receive. And I can see that right now I have this space of freedom. What do I want to do with it? You know, like, so that sort of thing is like, cause like, again, with love and relationships, a lot of the things that we think we should want might actually be things we do want, but, 
and what can I like focus on right now? Or what can I remind myself of right now? Because also like we all want this like perfect relationship. I want my partner to be like this and I want that. And like, yes, that's also things we're going to need to actually communicate and work on or that. But it's like everybody, even who's in the perfect relationship you think you have is probably imagining some other perfect partner relationship. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, I, you know, think like, it's okay. You know, it's okay that I wanted to, you know, be married and get engaged and all of those things. And when I got you know, the ring, it didn't solve all my problems that I was hoping that it was going to solve. So um, I love that all of those things can coexist. And I think all the things that you named are things that a lot of the listeners are feeling all at one time and to let them know, like, it's, it's okay to have all of those things exist at once. Yeah, And like not making yourself wrong for your feelings and wrong for what you want. But again, like, you know, to not be so attached to, I want that. And so like, I am only going to be complete or happy once I have that because you won't be. (laughs) So also knowing that, that it's like everything, you can get everything that you want, but you're still going to have doubts and fears and struggles and relationship issues and stuff like that. So it's not to give up, but just like, that's why my podcast is called Claim It. It was just sort of like, we so often unknowingly, again, are putting our feelings of being enough, worthy, successful. I'll feel, you know, complete once I have this person, once we're married, once we have the kids, once we live in this house, once I have this job, once I have this much money in my bank account. And like life in our mind, like life's going to keep throwing us stuff, but also our minds. Like I said, that's just like how we work. And so like the best thing is to just constantly being real about what you're feeling, what you want, and like allow yourself to choose joy right now, to see that you're enough right now, that you're worthy right now, that you're loved right now, even if you can't think of someone that loves you. But I bet if you really stop and think, you can think of many people that love you when you're stuck in that I'm unlovable. So true. And that actually leads perfect to my last question because that's the exact um, affirmation card that I pulled from your deck this morning was the I am enough, I am worthy as I am right now. And I wanted to end it by asking you about affirmations because I think they can be so powerful, especially when we're going through something tough. But as someone who's relatively new to affirmations, they felt so funny to me in the beginning and so awkward. So I would love if you could just maybe you know, give a tip on who's someone who's new to affirmations, like how to, how to utilize them and how to, you know, make them feel a little bit more genuine and authentic. Yeah. Well, like the whole episode, I've basically been laying the groundwork for this (laughs) because no, it's like getting clear with, again, like what you naming yourself, like, what are you thinking? What are your feelings? So being real with, like, for me, that's the way to create the most powerful affirmation. So be real with yourself about what you are feeling and what you're thinking. And then asking yourself, what do I want to believe? Or what do I want to feel? You know? So like, oh, I'm, I'm lonely. And I feel like I'm never going to find, you know, the part, a partner that, that is the partner I dream of, like whatever that is. Like, so naming yourself what you're feeling, what you want to think, and then turn that into an affirmation, which I call like a now tense statement. So a lot of them then do believe, start with I am, but it could just be like, you know, it it could have different terminal like words, but it's basically like, this is the truth now. So then you create an affirmation based on that. So like, I am, you know, I am loved or my perfect person is out there. I am going to meet the partner of my dreams or like, I am, you know, I am awesome regardless of whether I have a partner or not. So it's also like using your own language and and it wants to be something that like you're a little bit excited about, but also maybe a little bit nervous about. But for me, the most powerful way to create affirmations is that tuning into what you're actually feeling, what you're actually thinking, asking yourself, what do I want to believe? And then turn that want into a now tense statement and then tell that to yourself over and over again. But especially when those thoughts start to creep in again, like, oh, I'm alone. Nobody cares about me. I am loved. My perfect partner is out there for me or like whatever it is that you want to believe. I love that. That is, um, and definitely get your own, your awesome affirmation deck as well. Cause that's something that I, 
use when I'm having a hard time thinking of an affirmation for myself. So I am still regularly sharing the affirmations (laughs) online and I have the app, but yeah, like it's really powerful. And if you can like catch your own thoughts and then turn them into your own affirmations. Yes. Yes. Well, thank you so much. I feel like I have gotten so much from this interview and I can imagine the, the listeners, um, will definitely feel that way as well. Um, how can people find you and connect with you, uh, you know, find your products and I'll put all these links in, in the show notes too. Yeah. So I'm at your and then I'm at your everywhere on social media and my, yeah, you can get my product lines. My podcast is called claim it. Like I said, um, Yeah. Oh, and like I said, I have an app called Own Your Awesome in the Apple and Google Play Store that is hundreds of powerful thoughts and affirmations. Yeah, basically everything you're a joyologist. (laughs) Well, I will be downloading that app um, once we get off the call, but thank you so much for coming on. I also have to state for the record that Trisha and I both showed up in matching hot pink beanies today. So we were on the same page starting this interview from the beginning. Um, but yeah, thank you so much. And, um, and everyone, please go check out Trisha's stuff. I hope you enjoyed today's show. If you loved it, I hope you'll leave a review and share with your friends. If you're not already following me on Instagram, head to at your breakup bestie where I'm sharing new content almost every day. To join our Facebook group, Healing Hearts Club, where you can connect with thousands of people from all over the world going through breakups, head to the link in the show notes. And don't forget to check out my online courses for more in-depth help through your healing journey. I always end these episodes the same way, reminding you to be nice to yourself, stay connected with loved ones, and the biggest reminder is that this too shall pass. I promise. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.